Welcome to the White House Plumbers Podcast, where the lorehounds, your guides to breaking into the Watergate complex. I'm David. And I'm John. And this is our coverage of the HBO original series, White House Plumbers. In this podcast, we're going to give our quick takes on this new limited series before discussing what we felt was our key moment, and then discussing in depth several of the major plot points for episode three, Never Drink Whiskey at the Watergate. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our podcast schedule for the rest of May. Quick housekeeping for early and ad-free episodes and exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash the lorehounds. We are doing a membership drive for our one-year anniversary. We're trying to get to 100 subscribers, so check out our Patreon if you want to hear more about that and the uh, the benefits that we're going to introduce for our one-year anniversary, and we will explain more about that at the end of this podcast as well. By the way, if you're enjoying our content and want to give us a leg up, leave us a review and or a rating on Apple Podcasts. Those ratings and reviews help us uh, worm our way into the halls of power. No, no, not really. I mean, to help us find new listeners. Reviews especially help potential new listeners get a sense of what we're about. And the more listeners we have, the more we can keep making podcasts. Here's a quick reminder that for this limited series, we're just doing a short form recap. But to make these episodes a little more fun, we're asking for your help to help us break down the episode. So send us your thoughts, questions, comments, and more. Send emails to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com or head to our website and either use the voicemail feature or the contact form. You can also post a message on our Discord server link in the show notes below, and we can include those as well look for the White House Plumbers channel once you're on the server. All right, David, let's talk about this episode. What were your general thoughts? Um, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not gushing about this show. No and, I, no. and I'm kind of sad about it. And, you know, we, we talk a lot, uh, uh, we talk a lot about this on our podcast of, of trying to be not a hater podcast, you know, not trying to, you know, um, uh, get all negative about things, but, you know, apply honest critique where honest critique right. is, is warranted. Right. Um, and I was really looking forward to the show. I thought the concept was cool. The visuals looked great. Uh, from what I saw of the trailers, it seemed like it was going to be a really fun time. And there are elements of the show that I really enjoy. The performance mm-hmm. that Harrelson is giving is is extraordinary. I've never seen him act to this degree. Um, his physicality is amazing, and there's a lot of. I've been listening a little bit to the official podcast, and that's been fun to get some extra context and okay. stuff. But I just don't feel like this show is stitching together for me. And this one was a real bit of a letdown. I mean, I can see where it's a lot of fun, especially if you're a history buff and to be getting inside because all of these major points seem to be true historical, you know, based on true historical facts. Right. Uh, Yeah. They got trapped in the, in the room. They didn't have the right lockpicking set. Like all of those are documented facts uh, as told by the, you know, the, the the people who actually were there. Um, But I just, I don't know what it is. I I don't know if it's in the writing or in the editing because the performances are great. The production values are great. Uh, but I and and going into this, they hit us with the music, and I was like, "Oh, cool! This is going to be a heist episode. This is where we're right. actually breaking right. into the Watergate." And I was all, I was like, "Ready to go! Let's do it!" And then I caught myself on my phone two or three times during the yes. episode. Yeah, and I and I and I was like, "No, stop that! You know, pay attention, pay attention." But that right. that's 
my my attention was drifting. I was wandering. I was not always engaged, and that retrospectively made me a little sad because I'm loving so much about the show, and yet something is missing. And I really felt in this episode that missing elements had me drift off in a way that I hadn't drifted off in Eps one and two. It's the dialogue, I think. It's really, the, you think it's, it's missing the, the snappy dialogue? Okay, because when I was going into this, I loved Veep. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking back to Veep. Veep is just lightning fast. Quip, 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 quip. Okay. And I don't think that that should have been straight away from for this show. I mean, I know that they're different personalities. They're real people, but you're dramatizing it already. Just go all sure. the way and mm-hmm. tighten up that dialogue. Make it snap a little bit more. You know, tighten it up. Make me laugh a little more. I, I don't know. It's It's almost a confused show because... The characters are so absurd, yeah. but the situations feel mundane. Right. And I think that they are underplaying the absurdity of the situation, mm-hmm. which which makes it feel tonally disjointed. Okay. Yeah, I think for me, with this episode, too, the, the height, the, the peak, you know, when action would peak, and then we'd mm-hmm. have these long troughs where nothing was really happening. Right, right. They were trapped. They were like, oh, okay, we're trapped in the room. Let's go back into the storage closet. Okay, then something funny happens and then it's over. Right. And, you know, and then it's, they didn't sustain me. Like, I, I really wanted to feel a rolling series of, of comedies and some slapstick in there. And however right. they played it up and however they dealt with it, the, the historical accur- accuracies of it, I never felt like, I was on a roll and right. I wanted to be on a roll in this episode. It was peak trough, peak trough. And then the troughs were really long. Um, yeah. So for me, it's, I, I don't know if it's, I, I can totally see the point of the dialogue. And I think you're a bigger Veep fan than I. I've watched a few episodes. I never got deep. Oh, no, into I finished the series. I really right. liked it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was a little too, I don't know. It's, it's a little cringy humor for me See, but that's that's the golden stuff david for me yes i mean i, love, <laughs> I know exactly I love that's your juice humor. that's right yeah. that's your juice so and i could use more of that it's that documentary floating camera thing and stuff and yeah. and you know yeah. that's and that's great and and i'm really glad julia louise drive has made that series because uh, I, I there's other people i listen to and and that show is very highly regarded because of what mm-hmm. it did in a real meta context level Right. So yeah, I could see you know you coming from that point like the snappy dialogue is missing. But then for me, I, I'm not expecting that, but I am expecting a tightly edited show. I guess and yeah, yeah, that's yeah, so what's missing. It's it's it, it is it's bloated, sort of, right? It, it, yeah, yeah, it's bloated. Um, I think that when you had these five break-ins, and I guess we'll get into that in a minute, but yeah, it's an absurd situation to totally. break into the same place five times. <laughs> totally. And fail the first three times, kind of succeed the fourth time, or I, I might be getting one of those wrong, but I think uh, the third time is the one where they kind of succeed, fail again the fourth, really fail on the fifth. I mean, it's it's so absurd, and I feel like there could have been this this snappy section. I keep using that word too much now. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. but this tightly edited section where they're they're like step one, we get into the storage locker and this and that you know what i mean like right a very almost cartoonish almost comic book style like okay here's the panel that we're going to show what we're going to do there was right. a way to do this where it was very like okay let's restart now you know it, the, to really present it as the cartoonish characters and the cartoonish right. situation that it was and i don't think we got there it felt very like 
oh, now I got to take a piss, you know? Very, right, yes, very it was. Woody and Harrelson it was just very just, ponderous and slow. Yeah. And it's, okay, yeah. we got it. It's funny. Or when yeah. they're having the meeting in the hotel room. It right. just dragged on as opposed to right. being... And I think you're right. I think maybe if they had punched it up, I think they were trying to hold down mm-hmm. the added comedy. Like, we don't want to add sugar to this right. mix because right. it's already sweet enough. So right. if we make it too sweet, it'll be... But maybe that's what they should have done right? and pushed it a little bit further forward to really hyper, hyper make, you know, sort of overextend it. And, and maybe that would have been the snap that we're missing. Yeah. And you know what? I'll say this. I don't know what kind of legal consequences there are for changing the story a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, these are real people. Some of them are still alive. Some of them are not. And, uh, and th- but their families still have a stake in this. And yeah, I, if I'm making a story based on a true thing, I'm probably going to fluff it up less than I would something like Veep. Which make it, that draws a, a question. What if you had just taken this as inspired by true events? Yeah. And then done something crazy off the back of this. Right. That was untrue so that you could right. really have some fun with it. Yeah. You know, that would have been a different way to go. I don't know that we needed a. Uh, accurate historical. No, we have all the president's pseudo- men. We yeah. don't need this, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, and there's lots of lots of stuff known. I mean, even one of our right. listeners uh, works in a president, you know, in a center that studies. Right. Uh, uh, our lore master Brian eighty sixty three, you know, studies this stuff professionally and manages right. this stuff professionally. Right. We have the documentation. Um, if you're going to bring in Thoreau and and Harrelson. And throw the kind of cash at that at it that they did with the production values, which look amazing. The, yeah. The, the, yes, the, it does. The everything else about the show is wonderful. Um, you know, go go crazy with this. You know, do something wacky and wild. You know, do a Fargo, you know, treatment with it or something. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Well, so. I think that's good for our general thoughts. Do you have yeah. a favorite laugh out loud moment? Oh, it has to be uh, Liddy trying to shoot the <laughs> light bulb with his uh, <laughs> air pistol. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, just the the absurdity of it, uh, and his, you know, his bravado and his macho, and and he keeps, you know, you know, cracking the breach and you know, right. re- digging around in his pocket for another <laughs> pellet and closing it up. I- I've been there. I, I have done <laughs> not dissimilar things. Um, and, you know, using, you know, similar hypothetically, style, hypothetically, <laughs> uh, and statute of limitations is long past on any of that stuff. All right. I'm all old right. now. Uh, but yeah. And then, and then that he gets up on the other guy's shoulders and they're weaving around. It was a, it was a pretty absurd moment, but it's the kind of absurdity that G Gordon Liddy was. And then of course, and I knew that this was coming, but it was still funny was after they break the light and then they go back in the alley. Now it's too dark. Right. <laughs> right. right. You know, so that was just like, yeah, you Some guys are your, your own worst enemies. And that is the story of this. Right. That's this story is, is these people were their own worst enemies. Uh, right. So yeah, right. They, I think it really, uh, uh, encapsulated the, the series. It's a microcosm. Exactly. Of the greater story. Exactly. What about you? Yeah. Uh, mine is, is a little less laughy, but it still made me laugh. Hunt realizing that he's trapped in the storage closet and he's going, ah, come on, give me the bottle. And, and it was 
it was so good. Uh, and and later, you know, has to follow up. Never drink a whiskey at the Watergate. We get our right. our title. Um, yeah, I I enjoyed that whole sequence of oh, they got to have dinner. I still don't know why they had dinner there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> totally absurd. Uh, it was yeah, just an just, excuse just, to be in the building. That was yeah, what it was. So I guess so. But you, you have to do that whole fancy thing. I mean, that just seems. Like you're really drawing a lot of attention to yourselves. They, uh, I read, I was doing some online reading, and apparently there was a transportation um, conference, you know, uh, expo okay. you know, thing happening there. So it fit in perfectly. Okay. And I think that's maybe something that we we're missing from the production was them walking in and then, you know, oh, right. transpo, you know, 72 or whatever. And, you know, all these other suits wandering around in the booths and all of that kind of stuff, then I think right. maybe it would have felt more natural. But uh, as you say, I think walking in there, you're like, wait, this is a little bit of a head scratcher. Right. Or when they were, was it the McGovern campaign when they were shoot, where they were shooting the, the light bulb out? Like I missed the whole reason what that was about and why they abandoned that plan. So yeah, there's, yeah. there's things that have dropped that drop through the cracks here that I don't exactly understand uh, why. Right. So anyway, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying is I think that the details were a little bit hazy anyway, and they were trying sure. to get really, really in the details of what happened at each attempt. And I think that they could have eschewed some details, focused on what's funny about the attempts, and right. just done that comic book panel. Step one, we do this, you know, right. oh, well, that failed. Never mind. Let's do this. You know, it's, it's very, and I would love to have Liddy narrating it, you know, just, mm, all right, be good. all yeah. right, everyone, <laughs> step one, we break into the Watergate. Right. And then yeah. ruin it through while they're, yeah. the narration is going through. Yeah. Right. Like that would be fun. See, and, I should have written the show. That's, yeah, that's what maybe, maybe. Well, you know, now's <laughs> your chance. You can, I just, I just critique. No, no, we're not going to scab. We're not going to, we're not going to scab. <laughs> <laughs> we're not scabbing anything. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like we're oh for two for heist uh, themed shows this year. Yes, this in kaleidoscope, kaleidoscope, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. If you want to hear us complain more, <laughs> check out our kaleidoscope. And episodes. I really hate to be like Me too. You know, don't don't think we're negative. We're just trying I mean, honest critique has got to be honest critique. And if we can't right. be honest, then that ruins our own enjoyment and self credibility. Right. So, you know, we've got to right. we've got to call it like we feel it, I guess. Yeah. And so, you know what? I think there's we've a been lot largely to enjoy. positive on most of the things we've covered this year, which is great because yeah. that means the TV's great. Yeah. Uh, I wish the show operated a little bit higher of a level, and I hope that it ends better than it's been going. Yeah, we're we're sticking through it. There's no question. I got to see how this thing lands, and I'm loving Harrelson and throughout. I mean, yeah. What's going to happen? Are they going to catch the people for breaking into the Watergate? Well, and this is going to have impact on on their families. And- Do you think Nixon's going to have to resign? <laughs> my god it's unthinkable <laughs> all right david time for us to talk about this storyline i Sounds just good. got two sections this time because i okay. think this was a pretty bifurcated episode right uh i broke it into the first four tries and then the fifth try tries one through four go like this hunt and liddy assemble a team to break into the dnc headquarters at the Watergate. liddy's team has a member with cold feet that prevents their success Hunt's team got locked in a storage closet and abandoned their mission. On the second attempt, they lack the tools to pick the lock. McCord gets recognized by a security guard and says that he's working for Creep. On the third attempt, they successfully bug the DNC office, but only the bug for the receptionist works. Their fourth attempt is prevented when a security guard removes the tape, propping up the back door. David, what did you think about this sequence? 
um, outside of the uh, critiques that we had, uh, I thought some of the comical elements were pretty comical. Uh, the idea that McCord gets separated and lost and he's just uh-huh. sort of wandering around uh, these corporate offices uh, go, and then runs into a security guard that they actually are, you know, probably, you know, buddies or right, they know right. each other. That was, uh, that was pretty funny. Um, the, uh, yeah, the, the banquet thing was great. They're trying to be surreptitious and they walk in and here's a small army of wait staff who are all <laughs> seeing their faces, all right, hearing right. their voices, uh, all can corroborate that this uh, group of people are here at this facility at this time in this day. Right. The um, I think the 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 comic element of uh, hurrahing them of of uh, Liddy and Hunt. Uh, back to the main offices. Oh, great job, guys! You broke in the bugs, you know. And so let's start to read the transcripts. And I'm not expecting the curveball, and then that curveball actually worked on me. So uh, okay. that was that was pretty funny. The whole you know, re- as he's reception curveball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And 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 then it turns out, oh, wah wah wah, you know. And each time they go, what about right. this? What about that? Um, and it just feels par for the course. Um, the a, a couple of things that I picked up in in reading and listening and other sources. Was that they um, Cubans kept willing to do this for free, hmm, so yeah. they were not being paid to, to do, or, or and maybe they were going to get paid later. But there was something about the money, and then this whole thing, and we talked about this before, was this the, this cheap equipment and <laughs> this equipment that you know kept right. breaking down on them, and so right. um, it's just a, a, a it's attention to detail is l- missing with these guys. And it is their undoing, ultimately. Yeah, and that and their egos, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you have McCord going, no, I'm working for the committee to reelect the president now. So, <laughs> right. you know, Tris trying to gloat a little bit to his friend yeah. so that he sees that he's on top of the world. Well, guess what? That's what's going to link you back to Nixon. Exactly. Never mind. Uh, well, yeah, never mind what happens when they actually get arrested. So <laughs> Right, right. But uh, yeah, I mean, he was certainly not the brightest bulb in that bunch. No, McCord and and Liddy uh, actively disdains him. So yes, and I think with good reason. I mean, the guy <laughs> has screwed up several of their plans, right? And you know, challenging him in. You know, I, I just left five minutes ago, and now you're asking me ideas. I'm coming back. <laughs> that happened a couple of episodes ago, but yeah, that just sets up the whole um, for the whole bumbling action that happens here. Right, right. All right, why don't we talk about the fifth attempt, because that's the big moment for the series, mm-hmm. I think, is you yep. know, the arrest. The Hunts prepare to go on vacation while Dorothy tells Howard this espionage is probably not worth the risk. She calls it just like the Bay of Pigs. Ouch. That stings. Yeah. Hunt tells Liddy he's done breaking into the DNC, but Liddy goads him into trying again. McCord and the Cuban operatives are caught and arrested. One of the men arrested had a check from Hunt to his country <laughs> club in his pocket, tying Hunt to the operation. David, I will tell you, I I saw I was I had to look up a summary to jog my memory because this was right. kind of a forgettable episode. But <laughs> and uh, they were saying uh, that is not actually how they tied him. They had an address book on him that had Hunt in it. Okay, uh, and All that's right. how they tied it. But it's it's close enough, and I think it's more straightforward. I like that they linked it to his neglecting to pay the country club. That was right. nice. 
So yeah, what did you think about the way that this all went down? The 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 way that he was always you know, not taunting, but sort of crowing, strutting around. Oh, country club members, and if you were right. if you're this, you go to this club, and if you're right. that, you go to that club. And I'm a member of all three clubs. Um, so his hubris. I think what this whole all goes to is Hunt's hubris and his desire to be seen. Now, from what I understand, Hunt prior to the Bay of Pigs was a very successful and capable CIA operative. And I believe he was the head of station for Mexico City, which is no small operation. Yeah. That's a really significant uh, posting. And so uh, uh, then when they gave him the Bay of Pigs operation, it it was sort of his undoing. and, And it just never, he was never able to let that go right. and and it's it's in his head and it's under his skin and uh and I think that's you know um uh it, it really gnaws at him right. and so he's never able to get his mojo back and so the tension then of going oh man like oh, I'm done with this it's over I'm out I'm going on vacation with my family but he can't let go of yep. the yep. the desire to be in the center of power and to be an important person. So yeah, his ego here is is uh is ultimate his ultimate downfall. Liddy certainly learned how to manipulate him <laughs> and to and to make a speech mm. that really uh invokes invokes passion. Yes. <laughs> in his yes. listener. I wonder yeah. where he learned that from. <laughs> it's a really great performance by Thoreau. The yes. uh, yeah. uh, the delivery, the the passion and the intensity. And and at the heart of this show is a buddy, you know, uh a buddy adventure in, in a way. These right. two these two guys are are birds of they're odd they're an odd couple, I guess you could say. They're Oscar and Felix in a way. Um, and it's lovely to see him try to appeal to the worst nature of his friend, right? He's trying to, you know, uh, inspire the wrong, all the wrong parts about Hunt. Yes. And he does it so deftly and yeah. so uh, eloquently. Yeah, he does a great job. I did also enjoy that Hunt signs in as Fidel Castro. Yeah. That was, that was fun. That was that a nice was nod to his Bay of Pigs. Right. I'm really looking forward to seeing how Dorothy acts in the next couple episodes because I think she's starting to catch on that Howard is in over his head. And I believe historically she does get involved and Hunt actually starts to um, panic. And when somebody's panic and drowning, you know, when, when you'd go to yeah. save them, yeah. you know, and they're splashing around all over the place. So I think he starts to... Um, cause uh, uh, there's a bigger disturbance in his family and, and mm. more of his family members get roped in. So that makes sense going back to uh, why I think I had a small um, critique earlier on, like why are we engaged so much with his family? Well, I, I, as it turns out, historically, they get roped up into uh, the fallout from all of this. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Any other thoughts on this episode, David, before we move on to listener feedback? Uh no, mm, nothing really. I'm uh I'm holding on hope and uh we'll see where we get with uh, the next two episodes. Sounds great to me. All right, so Lore Master Brian 8063, he's already been name dropped in this episode, but he wrote in and sent a voicemail. Hello, David and John. A few follow-ups from the last podcast. John, you brought up the sound equipment in the White House. Presidents have been recording their conversations since 1940. 
The early tapes before John F. Kennedy are infrequent, but the bulk of the recordings are from JFK, Lyndon Johnson, and Richard Nixon. When Nixon entered the White House, he pulled the recording system out. However, by 1971, much like his predecessors, Nixon realized the benefits of having taped conversations. Here's why. One, it would be handy to have a tape if there are any discrepancies in conversations. He can go back to the tape. Two, these tapes would be a great resource for writing a memoir. So Nixon had Alexander Butterfield uh, get the Secret Service to install microphones at the president's desk, lamps, and on the fireplace mantle in the Oval Office. He bugged his own office. (laughs) He did. He was very good at bugging. It's not even like, you know, here's a microphone over here or whatever. (laughs) It's actually like CIA style. Yeah. There were microphones in Nixon's office in the old executive office building, in the cabinet room, and at Camp David as well. It was all voice activated. The sound issue wasn't so much about equipment quality, but the placement of the microphones. Imagine if you were doing a podcast and moved your head away from the microphone. Also, Butterfield acknowledged that physical objects close to the mics and other things like laughter would affect the sound. Finally, there was an eight-episode show that covered Martha Mitchell. Last year, Stars produced a good show called Gaslit, starring Julia Roberts as Martha and Sean Penn as John Mitchell. In fact, the makeup was so good on Penn, I did not recognize him as Mitchell. The actor, Shay Wiggum, did a fabulous job as Liddy. Thanks, Brian8063. David, I mentioned Martha Mitchell last time. Do you recall it was uh, John Mitchell's wife who was famous for talking to the press? She right. basically got wind of Watergate and they gaslit her. They imprisoned her falsely they they did they did everything to ruin her life that they could Mm -hmm. and i thought it was such a fascinating story when i heard about it on the slow burn podcast that i said why is this not in this show right you know Um, interesting but but i guess they've already done it before we listen to uh brian's voicemail i do want to um point out something that i completely missed and i i feel a bit chagrined um about it but last week it was kathleen turner who yes. played, yeah. yeah. And I didn't connect the dots at the time. Kathleen Turner, the actress, Romancing the Stone, War of the Roses, Body Heat, Jewel of the Nile, like all of this stuff. She was a huge deal in, you know, for, for me growing up. And I did not recognize her at all. And I had no, it didn't connect. It didn't click. So uh, belated shout out to Kathleen Turner. It was great to see her on screen again. And I did happen to catch um, some conversation uh, on the official podcast about her uh, being involved in the show. And it was, a, it, it was really fun. And it sounds like she was just a consummate professional who had just a, a real wry sense of humor about the whole thing. And so, yeah, so I, uh, uh, I feel bad that I missed that, but I'm glad to know that she uh, was able to uh, deliver really, really well. I mean, that was a great character and it was a great characterization. Your penance is accepted. Thank you. I I've been watching absolved. Mrs. Davis, so I'm all Catholic this week. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. I think we should listen to Brian's voicemail here. Hi, guys. Brian here. For episode three, here are some of my thoughts. I now look forward to when the Cubans are on the screen. And like Kathleen Turner in the previous episode, they pretty much steal every scene they're in. They have great lines. It's it's almost improv, and I wonder if some of that is actually improv or not. But you are always in for a laugh when they're on screen. They're fabulous. The scene between Liddy and Magruder when they are discussing breaking into Watergate 
is really well done. The camera work is really good. You're going back and forth, Liddy, Magruder, Liddy, Magruder, and you realize toward the end of the scene, Magruder is holding his tennis racket, and you felt you're in a tennis match. Who's going to fold? Who's going to win? Are they going to break into Watergate once more? Related to that scene, historians are not 100% sure why the plumbers went into Watergate in the first place. Is it to find dirt on the DNC? There was even some kind of call girl scheme. Or was it to find out what the DNC has on Nixon? They're actually conflicting accounts, and we probably will never really know 100% for sure. Finally, we have to have a shout out for Dorothy Hunt. She is the smartest person in the room. And going forward, we're going to see her much more in action with the post-arrest and the trial. That's it for now. Signing off. Thanks, Brian. I always appreciate when you call in, write in, all that. We're we're kind of lucky to have uh, Brian as one of our listeners, uh, and he's been so generous with his takes and his inform information. I feel much more educated having him yeah, <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah. So thank you, Brian. We've got insights on microphones, on Dorothy Hunt. We've, right. we've got it all. I, I totally agree. Hunt, uh, Dorothy Hunt is, uh, uh, Lena Headey is going to be and I think she's a great actress to play the role. Yeah. Uh, her quiet yeah. confidence and her good cheer uh, and her ability to sort of roll with it all, with all the Liddy craziness. Uh, I think she's uh, really well cast in this role. I agree. I agree. She's doing a great job. Any other thoughts on Brian's voicemail, David? Uh, no, I, I agree. I would have to agree with uh, the Cubans. They are oh, yes. uh, a fun yeah. rolling crew. And uh, yeah, they have some of the snappiest dialogue, actually, uh, in the whole show. So I, I totally agree with that assessment. I wonder how much, you know, you, you're saying it sounds almost improvisational, Brian. I wonder how much is from the record of what the Cubans were saying and what they were, what their involvement was in, interpersonally with this group, because maybe that's an area where they had more freedom on creating dialogue and creating a situation. And that's why the dialogue is snappier. That's my, that's my conspiracy theory here. <laughs> that's good. That's a good theory. Uh, yeah. Cause there were maybe an absence of information about right. that. And so right. they, they had the space to fill it in and, and to do what they're good at which is writing that snappy dialogue where Hunt right. and Liddy are known and especially Liddy, who was such a uh, larger than life character. And, and he recently did pass away. Um, uh, I thought he was still around, but he, but um, I think he died a, a number of years ago, 2019, maybe if I read the, if I'm remembering the wiki, right. But he was such a larger than life character that, and he's so well known that you have to be careful about what words you put in his mouth. Right. So. 2021, I just looked it up. Okay, he died at 90. Yeah. He lived a long life. Yeah, he did. So, all right. Well, yeah, thanks, well, Brian. Thank you. Yeah, keep keep sending us the stuff. <laughs> you're the you're the 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 third lorehound on this uh, podcast. Kind of like exactly. the fifth beetle. <laughs> Fair enough, David. I think it's time for our Patreon shoutouts. Would you like to lead us through it? Sure. Quick thank you to our lorehounds: Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H. Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter O H, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Doof seventy one, Brian eighty sixty three, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa. You guys are amazing. You guys have stuck with us through 
thick and thin and uh, your material support actually literally keeps the uh, bits flowing for this podcast. So to you, thank you. And to thank you to all of our patrons, uh, we so much appreciate your support. We're going to be all sending, we're going to be sending all of you a thank you gift uh, in July for our one year birthday. It's going to be a custom design sticker with um, some Elven script written on it. And uh, if you have been sitting on the fence and not sure if you want to, you know, join the Patreon or not, um, help us break a hundred at least. Um, and uh, hope us, hopefully we can get a, sort of into a new uh, dynamic and uh, apply some more resources if we do that. So thank you, everyone. We really appreciate you all. Absolutely. Let's talk programming notes quickly. We are in the second half of May now. Again, we have these weekly podcasts, White House Plumbers, Ted Lasso, Barry, they're all ending the same week, which is insane. Yes, and it totally uh, is. yeah, we just recorded a two hour plus podcast <laughs> with Marilyn Kukila because nothing's ever what short else are we going to do? That's yeah. right. Uh, on the Tombs of Atuan, which is the it was second a good conversation. Book, yeah, second book in the Earthsea cycle by Ursula K. Le Guin. That was a really great conversation, as you said, David. I'm really looking forward to putting that out. That'll be out next week. Uh, we also have next week a prep podcast for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. That's going to be you, Jean, and Alicia. I'm looking forward to hearing that. I'm going to edit it anyway, so I have to listen to it. <laughs> and uh, but we'll yeah, try to make I'm, it easy on you. I like Spider-Man a lot, and I'm hoping that this is a great movie, and I'm going to listen, and I'm going to just uh, sink my teeth in as a listener of The Lorehounds. Sounds good. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for being with us. We're looking forward to finishing this series with you. We will see you next time. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening.